experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Radio for the Imagination with your host Paula Granquist is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thanks so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories, and I'm so glad you're here to tune your imagination with Art Zany Radio. I have been fascinated by the process of discovering our passions. How do we do that? I wonder often how much of the pathway to life's enlightenment and ultimate expression is made up of determination, and how much of that is design and destination. I probably also must admit that there is likely some luck that comes into the process as well on that journey. Of course, we've also heard that uh, preparation is a percentage of that game, too. So it's an interesting, maybe it's a mathematical thing that I'm trying to figure out. What do we have control of in that thing that lights us up and takes us to amazing spaces? Are we drawn to what is our talent, or do we cultivate that through the experiences we choose? And here's what I think is the most important question. Do we have to keep choosing that pathway to solidify the connection? You, know, you think about it, and you want, sometimes I wonder, well, was I supposed to do that other thing I started? Have I already missed my opportunity to live life's purpose? Maybe in the end it doesn't really matter what that thing is that we choose. The point is that we keep trying out life and putting that willingness to experience new things. It's that journey that matters. And I think about that quite a bit. And it's you know absolutely certain to me that when we make that connection with that one thing that thrills us like no other, time stops. And we enter this space where we lose a sense of the world around us. We are pulled and immersed in this wonderful engagement. If you've felt it, you know exactly what I'm, I'm saying. It's, I, I ascribe it to be like finding the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. It's an amazing roller coaster of deep pleasures and sensations. It's incredibly glorious and at the same time maddening because we just want to spend time in that place and forget about the rest of the world. I suppose one of the best ways that I can think of to describe this experience is from the movie The Red Balloon. It's a French short film from 1956, and it's about a little boy who rescues a balloon from a lamppost, and then the balloon connects with him and follows him through the streets of Paris. Through kindness and toughness and all of life's ups and downs, the boy and the balloon take this journey, and it's shot in this amazing, it's almost like like November weather here where the sky has that gray it's, you know, the gray of the stones is very uh, moody, but the bright red balloon stands out in the imagery. 
It's a very simple movie, visually stunning, beautifully scored, very few words. And it's a story about so much of life. We used to watch it every year in elementary school. I was mesmerized by this movie. How could such a simple object like a big red balloon teach us so much wisdom about making it through life? And I often wonder, why is it that that story captured my imagination? And it's a movie I still love to watch. I ended up buying a copy of it because I was so enthralled with it and tried to, it, it's like every time it teaches you something. It's just an amazing piece of work. If you have the chance to to look it up, I, I certainly re- highly recommend it. It's a short 34-minute movie, and it really does sum up the balance of life. If I could tell someone what our role here on Earth is, I would say that it is to explore those heights of passions. But the real job of living a magnificent life is to learn to come back to the realities of daily living with that same abundance of joy and wonder. There's deep pleasure in both of those worlds. Sometimes the exuberance is harder to find in one world, or for some of us, it's elusive in both worlds. But that's why we keep flying and dabbling and taking in each moment. At any given pathway, there might be We might be on the edge of discovering our life's passion, and all we need is a little luck, maybe a different choice, or some resolve. Trusting the process of life to deliver for us is also essential. We stand in that that place somewhere on our journey over and over. Sometimes we don't know what action to take in the moment. I say, take the red balloon ride. So I hope that's a bit of inspiration for you today as you think about how you might ignite your own imagination. And I am so excited this morning to be able to welcome fused glass artisan Gerilyn Thielen here. She's from Just Me, Gerilyn, and Glass, and she's also the co-creator of Artists on Main Street Sculpture Project, Spreading the Love. Welcome to Art Zany Radio, Gerilyn. It's great to see you. Oh, it's so great to be here, Paula. Yeah, I thank you so much. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, and so I'm glad we got to make the connection. And, I, you know, when I think of you, I think of glass. You have become, uh, you know, it's just a part of who you are and, and, and an essential part of um, what you do, and it's become your life's work. And I wonder if it was the glass that found you or you that found the glass. Um, I think the glass found me. Mm. Tell, um, more, tell us more about that. Well, years ago when I, I did, didn't even know anything what fused glass was. And I had a friend invite me to take a fused glass class up in Maple Grove 14 years ago. Okay. And um, I took this class and I, w- I just fell in love. And Was it instant? It was. It was, I had been a quilter, and I had taught quilting for many years, and I needed a new challenge, and um, it's it's just intriguing. It's a, it's a tough science. Things can go wrong when you do everything right, and it's just, you know, figuring out all the processes, and, um, and it's interesting. When I was growing up, Every holiday, we would go and buy my grandmother a merino glass. Oh, the, I paperweight. know those pieces. And um, that was our thing for her. Mm. And it was it was just magical. I remember going and picking these out for her. 
So I yeah, I'm thinking of of just being in a store where you're uh there's a display of all and how do you pick which one because they are all unique and and interesting and fascinating and um you know if you if you know merino glass you can I mean, just like you, you, your heart stops sometimes because you does. think, how did they do that? <laughs> I know, and I wish I had that collection of my grandmother's, and my cousin took them. And I would love to be able to go back just to see what we purchased for her. Right. Just well, what colors were we drawn to and patterns, patterns and, and styles. And um, I know for me, my favorite glass colors to work in are the brights, the primaries. Um, I can't get enough of the primary colors. That's a signature for you, because if you step up to one of your booths at, at a show, you, you can see your palette is so bright and joyful, and um, you know it, it always has that um, vibrance that just, just kind mm-hmm. of exudes from it. And Yeah, I had a lady come into my booth one time, when it, one of the first years I was doing shows, and she said, can I just stand in your booth and feel your joy? Oh. She said she could feel the joy radiating from my glass. And that's when I knew I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was bringing joy to other people right. through my work. I, that's a beautiful story, and I can I can resonate and echo that that that's that is something, and that that so you found what what your passion was, and um, you know your I, I'm curious about um, because we you know I've purchased several of your gifts for for you know friends for my house it's you know it, it's mm-hmm. it's a part of my world and um, but I don't know that I've ever talked to you about the process of of making this, and so I thought maybe we'd spend a little time understanding what is is a fused glass piece where does it begin does it begin with uh design or does it and i found it really interesting that you mentioned quilting because i can see how important um planning your patterns are with quilting and i wonder if that's the same with glass um it can be um i like the freedom of not being planned ah i very very rarely ever plan a pattern Mm. I go in, I never know, I know what pieces I have to make that day to make my booth look full. (laughs) It's like, okay, I know I need to make rectangle plates. I need to make square plates. But what those individual designs are, I let the glass speak to me. I go over to the glass pile, pick out colors that are standing out to me that day, and then I I just start. And it just evolves and so let's talk about that glass supply because I'm trying to envision how you, not only how you store it, but like what is it? Is it a big sheet of glass or then you have like some pieces that you've, you know, used but maybe not or, or, or you know, cut that, that haven't used in a project. And so how do you keep that in your studio so that you can see what you have so that you can go do that selection? Um, well, the sheets come in, you can buy them in a 12 by 12 inch or a 12 by 24 or 24, but because of the volume I do, I buy all 24 by 24 inch sheets of glass. Okay, so that's pretty big. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty big, they're pretty heavy, and um, I go and usually buy at least 15 to 20 at a time sheets of glass. So it's quite the process, just not only when you purchase it, 
to load it into your car to, so you can travel with it so it's safe. Yes, you don't want to so, have go over a pothole and then have everything. <laughs> I've had dreams of having glass fly in my car, but um, I have a glass carrier. Mm. It's a great big wooden bin that I put in the car and load in. Okay. And it keeps the glass from moving around in the car. And I just am trying to envision the store then, too, that you go to. Um, like, uh, how many options for colors? Is it like a big rainbow? I would imagine. It is kind of <laughs> like a great big rainbow. And unfortunately, it's not like Crayola crayons where you get 64 colors. You're pretty <laughs> limited in colors. Okay. It, but it depends on the company. And there's different CEOs, which is the coefficient of glass. And that's the rate that glass cools. So that's something is new to me at all. I, I never imagined you'd have to think about. So how does that affect the process? Um, you can't mix different companies' glass. It's like baking a cake. You know, you have one recipe tells you to use these ingredients to bake it that long to be successful. Well, in glass, when you're cook, cooking the glass or firing the glass, you have to have the same efficiency with the glass that it cools at the same rate oh. so if i use two different companies and try to mix their recipes their recipe the glass cools at different rates and if i do that it will cause the pieces to break so that's an essential piece you have to have a one, one source. source one source does it even matter like with fabric sometimes to get the right color dye you have to have the right lot as well is that a, a yes same thing um this is more, it, you can't mix them, mm. just plain. I've tried. I thought, oh, yeah, you can't. No. It doesn't work. It does not work. <laughs> and um, I can't use recycled glass because I don't, I shouldn't say I can't. I can if I use the same wine bottle from the same company. Okay. But then it takes, it's a trial and error to find out the right way to fire that glass. And then you'll have some that will break. Break, because if waste. I don't have the right recipe. And it's just trial and error, which is, it's totally doable, but I have production kilns. I don't have individual kilns. Okay. Where if I have a small kiln, I'm not wasting a lot of electricity trying to figure this out. Or a lot of different pieces or in that one. a lot of different pieces. But because of, because I do so many shows, I just have production kilns. Though I do have a... A new kiln coming in, hopefully soon, that will allow me to do some more testing. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. you are like a, a scientist, right? I am. <laughs> and it's it's trial and error. You know, you do lots of research to get the, the firing schedules. And, and it may, what, they, what they tell you is only a suggestion. And everybody's kiln is a little bit different. So even then... If you have the right recipe, you still have to to tweak it. So, so it is like when you're cooking sometimes, and and they you know recommend you have a, a temperature gauge in your oven because not every oven is exactly when you say a temperature. It may not be calibrated quite perfectly. Correct. And so you have to work on that. Wow, there's so much to the process. And I, let's go back to that table where you have um, an idea, like you need to do a square plate or you, you, because yep. you know your inventory is low on that. What is the surface that you put the glass on? 
Um, is there, uh, and how do you make sure that during the, the design process where you're laying out the pieces, they all fit? Um, well, I start off, I have a cutting table. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you're actually not cutting glass. What you're doing is scoring and pressure breaking the glass. Uh-huh. So some people would probably drive crazy. You know you've scored the glass correctly because it kind of makes that figures on the board. <laughs> the sound. Sound. But so that you know the glass has been scored. And then I use what's called a running pliers. And it's a one-inch rectangle top and bottom except for the bottom has a small arch so when you push put the piece of glass and you line up the center of the score with the with the pliers and you push up the pressure from just that small minute arch causes the glass to break in half well that must be kind of satisfying and kind of fun to well sometimes it works and sometimes the glass has a mind of its own yeah, so yeah, we were talking about that too, the idea that even the glass itself, even if it's come from the same company and the same batch, and, and that there are just natural variations. Uh, it can be either at the, the factory or I suppose even in your home or your studio, the, the air that you're in with humidity or temperature or uh, different things that might affect how it's going to perform. Even if my cutting table isn't cleaned, ah. if there's small, just even just small little bits you might not even hardly see of glass that can cause the piece to get cut crookedly. How does that happen? Just Is- because it makes the pressure points different when you're cutting the glass, and it can cause issues. Oh. Wow. And so this, I mean, so, and so it's, it's a, um, the other question I was thinking about is sometimes you see when they blow glass, they have like, you know, pliable glass, mm-hmm. but what you're working with are hard, hard like, pieces, uh, even though glass is considered a liquid. Yeah. Oh, that's, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, my glass never gets to liquid form. I fire at 1425. If you watch glass blowers, when you see those big ovens that they have the glass in, that's 2,300 degrees. Wow, that's a lot And more. that's when the glass is really meld, um, moldable. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and like when I make a plate, it's a two-step firing. So I've, I'll create the design, and then I'll put it in the kiln and fire it for between 13 and 14 hours. for the first firing and it goes up to 1400 degrees and then it does what's a hold so that's where all the layers melt into each other and then it takes between about nine hours to cool the glass so you really have to plan your production i do i sometimes keep very weird hours depending on what i'm making when the show is sometimes i'll have to set the alarm for two o'clock to get up in the morning to flip the kiln (laughs) Because then, because when I put the, after the pieces come out of the kiln, the first time everything is flat. But to shape them into plates is a different firing pattern, and that's done at 1250. And it's bending the glass. So that's a second firing you're doing. That's a second firing to make the plates. And that's done at 1250. Um, It's too hot at 1500. You'll get great big air bubbles in the molds because air gets underneath the molds. So you have to do it at a lower temperature. Does that take a longer time? No, it's about the same time. Okay. 
This is fascinating. Folks, I'm talking with uh, Gerilyn or Jerry sometimes, as we know, uh, Thielen, about her uh, fused glass work. And uh, folks, uh, is there a place that people can go to look at some some pictures and images? Um, You have a Facebook Facebook page, Jerry Thielen. So people can go because I, I I want them to to be able to, uh, you know, see those bright colors and those patterns because some of them are quite intricate. I mean, they're um, I- I- uh, illustrations almost of flowers or trees or, um, you know, representative of of things. But then you can also see some of them are, are more like quilts in the. Um, patterns of that they have and so I think it's just really uh, fascinating how that you can take that uh, you know glass sheet and then it becomes um in into a frame of of its own work of of art right that it it becomes something else and glass not only comes in sheets I mean the sheet glass is my base Mm -hmm. but I glass also comes in different forms it comes in frit Mm. F-R-I-T? Yep, and it's broken pieces of glass, and it comes in different sizes. It also comes in powdered form that looks like sand that you have to wear a ventilator to use. Oh, wow. It also comes in, I call it colored spaghetti. It's like (laughs) going to the grocery store and buying colored spaghetti. So I can buy spaghetti. They're called stringers, and those ones look like spaghetti noodles. And then they have another one that looks like fettuccine noodles. And I buy those in colors. And I've really embraced those this year. I've been using a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I, I'm i known for in my work is polka dots. I always have polka dots in my work. Well, when you fire glass, glass shrinks 10%. So all those little polka dots I use my scraps for and I make them. How do you get them to be circles? Because the glass shrinks ten percent, they form they shrink into circles. Oh, so it's what does it start out as? A square. It does. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's way for me to fill in different gaps in the kiln, so no space is wasted. That was another question I was going to ask. So once you you know the general starting shape, how do you? make sure that every space is filled because obviously you can't um, or maybe there is a a design that you would want to do where you would want to have a a see-through space to I do that quite frequently yeah so how do you know and manage the spacing of you know the um, expansion or shrinkage of of Um, each of the pieces that it's not as noticeable as the polka dots because the the bigger the piece, the less you notice the shrinkage. Mm. But the polka dots are so little, and they fire so much quickly. So it takes a lot longer to fire a bigger piece, so you don't have quite as much shrinkage. But with the polka dots, because it's so tiny, that's why it shrinks so much. Oh, it's because of the size that because it starts. Because of the size it starts. You've had to learn a lot over the years about how this, uh, you know, how you make a successful piece, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's been trial and error and lots of reading and talking with other artists on how to, you know, achieve different um, techniques. You know, there's three types of fusing. Most of my work is what's called full fusing, and that's where everything is perfectly level. 
when you when you put it in into the, the kiln okay. it comes out smooth like you see most of my plates yes and then there's another form called dimensional firing where the pieces i put on top actually don't sink into the glass and you can actually feel them like a pattern kind of so like braille it has texture then it has texture oh. and then there's another one that's called tack fuse and that's where the glasses really don't melt they just stick melt just enough to stick to each other and their edges could be really sharp oh that i suppose that's another question too how do you make sure that your piece um is you know okay to touch when when it's all cooled and and uh, you know it doesn't have because glass can be really sharp and so what are the ways that, i do you have to do something to finish it once it comes no out? It, it when i do the full fuse it is totally finished oh that's the magic of the kiln it's like christmas when you open it because <laughs> If you look at a plate window and imagine cutting it and cutting it in different sizes and then layering it. Okay. And you know, see those you can see those layers and their sharp edges. And then when you fire it, the magic is they all melt into each other and they are smooth and they become embedded. And it's it's like Christmas every single time I open the kiln. I'm st- every day I'm still astonished at how things turn out. And sometimes things don't turn out the way I want them or expect it, but that's part of the process. Yeah, I, let's try to get a visual of um, the process of opening the kiln and um, how many pieces might be in there. And, you know, I am just I th- think that must be kind of a, a, a in wonderful and frightening at the same time moment. <laughs> Most times it's wonderful. You know, I've been, you know, I've been doing my kilns Pretty much for 14 years, and so... So you build, I would imagine you build a relationship with that kiln, right? That you you know, okay... You know it's quirks, like anything. (laughs) It's like a piece of of, of kitchen equipment. Some parts of the kiln fire hotter, so if I have some other pieces that don't need as much shaping, where it's cooler, I'll place those in the kiln. The center of the kiln is the hottest. Mm -hmm. The edges are are less hot. And so, yeah, you've got to learn everything about this. And, and still there might be some things that don't work the way you intended. Have you had happy accidents where something is done, uh, kind of a magical process where you think, I didn't expect that, but this is fabulous? Yeah, I can't think of anything offhand, but I know I have. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so then you've been able to take that and yep. try to repeat it. That's the trick. Yeah, you know, people say, I want 10 of the same piece. Well, I can't guarantee it all melt the exact same way it will be close but um that's why it's it's art right (laughs) i and i'm not a perfectionist there's some people that are very much a perfectionist when they cut i do more freeform cutting i don't always use the rulers but that's who i am but Mm -hmm. you know there's other people that everything has to be exactly precise I just don't have that kind of patience, and I love the more freeform styles that I do. Mm-hmm. And I allow the glass to speak for itself, rather than um, spending hours and hours sanding the edges and things like that. Mm-hmm. I um, I want the glass to represent who it is, not me representing it. Mm. So that's that's kind of goes with your uh, style of. 
not doing so much uh, pre-planning and just working, you know, being able to, you know, look at a piece and say, I think you will work here or yeah. this is the color match. I want this one next to this one and, and laying it out as yep. much as you can in, in the moment. Exactly. And so that, I mean, that comes through in your pieces because I think that's what that, that a person who came to your, your booth and, and talked about the joy because uh, that's in there. That, and that's, I think, what makes, makes you stand out as a fused glass artist. Thank you. It's, it's really amazing, folks. And if you haven't seen it, rec- I recommend taking a look. You've got some pictures up on that Facebook page that people can, can look at. But there are also a couple upcoming events we want to talk about. Yeah, I have two events left for this season. One, I will be up at the Olive Grove Olive Oil Store in Mendota Heights doing a trunk show. This will be my 11th year there. Oh, wow. What a great relationship. She sells hundreds of plates a year for, for me each year. And then I've been doing trunk shows. People have bought the plates, and then they want more pieces. So twice a year, I go up there and do a trunk show with all my pieces. Oh. So I will be there next Friday and Saturday in Mendota Heights. It's right off a of 62 in Mendota Heights, pretty easy to find. And that, again, was the Olive, Olive Grove. Olive Oil Store. Perfect. And, and it, yeah, we should tell people, because um, I guess we haven't talked about the different varieties of pieces that you have, because it um, isn't just the, the, you know, plates and trays. There's Tell us uh, about all the different ways that you can oh. make glass work for you. I, um, I do all sorts of things. I, this year... I have never sold so much garden art. Oh, everybody was in As their I, Everybody was with, with COVID. I think everybody stayed home and was gardening. <laughs> and they enhanced their gardens with my stakes. And, um, and my most popular stake this year was the heart garden stake that matches spreading the love sculpture. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yes. And um, I had gotten a phone call from a friend. And she said, Jerry, I need some of them hearts. And I'm like, okay. And I says, well, tell me more. And she says, those heart garden stakes. And I says, oh, yeah, I have those. She says, well, a friend of mine at Christmas time last year told me she love-bombed me, and she put one of my heart garden stakes in her yard, and she was love-bombing her friends. Oh. And that story just stuck with my heart. It just... It, every time I think of it, it makes me smile. Right, and yeah, it, it really did represent what we needed at that time, time. especially um, as oh, even this year, last year, and this year. Yeah, <laughs> and so, um, so the garden stakes have been phenomenal. Um, what I used to do a lot of vases. Unfortunately, I because the industry has changed their vase styles. Most vases nowadays are round, and you can't buy. I have a hard time finding rectangle vases. Mm. So we've kind of eliminated that from my line. Um, What else have I done? I do stir sticks. I've been working on fun stir sticks for the holidays. And appetizers I've been doing. I'm going to be making snowman ones today (gasps) for hot chocolate with little kids oh my gosh okay so that's kind of fun that sounds like an amazing amazing piece (laughs) yeah just you know kids can have fun they're pretty durable and make hot chocolate make it fun with a snowman stir stick Uh, sign me up for some of those (laughs) yeah you know my brain never because i have so much scrap i have to find ways 
to use my scrap. Mm. And so, so from the bigger pieces that you make, you end up with the smaller glass? S- smaller pieces of glass. And I've made, I'm in the process of making some trays this year that are clear, all clear glass, and they look like ice. Ooh. And they're one of my favorites. And you just put tea lights on them, and they twinkle, and they're just really fun. Sounds very, um, it can warm up a, a, a you know, a, a buffet or yeah. just to have a, a lovely centerpiece on your mm-hmm. coffee table. And so folks should also know that you've got a, a studio open house. Tell us about that and when that's happening. Um, that will be December 3rd. Th- I think it's the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Which is uh, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday at my house. And if you want to call ahead and just schedule an individual appointment, you're welcome to come. You don't have to battle the crowds and the stores. Um, You can see the process of how I do glass while I'm working in the studio, the kiln, and it's just fun. And there's lots of fun pieces for sale. Wonder, I love that idea, especially the, um, that you don't have to battle with the crowds and you can uh, get to see your studio space. And you can get, you know, I do, one of my best sellers during the holidays is um, I do gift boxes. Mm-hmm. I get olive oil and vinegar from the store in Mendota Heights and I put it together with a plate. And it's a great gift to give people at the holidays for dipping breads mm-hmm. with a loaf of bread. It's really fun. Oh, that is a perfect combination. And now you could do some with some hot chocolate and and these stir sticks, sticks. too. Yeah. <laughs> Little I know. marshmallows. And yeah. <laughs> you'd have yourself a, a really original gift. That, or I'd do a t- one with, I'd do a mini square with a box of tea because it's a perfect size for your tea bags. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of amazing to me that you can do not only... Um, it, it, the the just just the variation of the shapes because one of my favorite trays I have a, a tray in my bathroom that all my sort of you know products that I use every day, but it's on this beautiful tray which you know brings just you know cheer right <laughs> for every morning. It does, and it's got a round round uh, oh, the oval. Yes, right, a very long oval, and to think that you can you know take glass and turn it into that mm-hmm. um, with it's got some beautiful uh, daisies inset mm-hmm. into it. Um, it's just kind of amazing that that it, you can make glass into something that's um, almost like painting. Does it feel like painting it, to you ever? It does. You know, I'm touching people's homes just as an accent piece a lot of times, you know, because my glass is more expensive. Mm. But I know for me, just to have a couple of special pieces in the house really makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Like I have a tray along, I call it my bread tray. Well, I have my essential oils on it in my bathroom. And it just makes me really happy. Yes. <laughs> it's just that one little accent piece that just like, oh. And it keeps me organized because I can not be so organized. It does make it look better, right? It's yeah. like it's intentional. And <laughs> it's intentional and I actually keep it organized. <laughs> And that that is a really um, a beautiful thing. If you have beautiful things surrounding you, it just it, it can lighten up your day. Mm-hmm. And and I love what that that woman said. It does bring a little bit of joy back to you. So you also are a part of the Artists on Main Street project, which happened, uh, or some of it's still ongoing. Um, that was the um, 
Spreading the Love was the name of the sculpture. This was you and Dale Lewis um, did this together. Uh, tell us a little about the. I mean, it just it is really it, it it shines through who you are, and um, just makes it made a beautiful impression for everybody to take a look and think about uh, love in our community. Um, I, Dale and I, I designed this sculpture, and then I went to talk to Dale, and he helped bring my dreams to fruitation with the metalwork. Now, does he do your stakes that you... Is he, no. No? Okay. I actually hand-cut all the, the stakes. Oh, I didn't realize I, I hand-cut all the rebar with... I go out to Dale's house and I cut the rebar. Okay. Myself, I was just there last weekend and cut another hundred <laughs> yards of rebar. Wow. I kind of have this love affair with big tools. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, so I went to Dale and we drafted it out together, and then we, I, we drafted it out, and then I, so I wrote the proposal for downtown Main Street, mm-hmm. and um. I just was feeling so, this community, when I wrote the grant, this community, 15 years ago when I started doing glass, I never dreamt it would become a full, a full-time job for me. And this sculpture was kind of me giving back to the community for the, all the love and support they gave of me Aww. over the years to be as successful as I am. Mm-hmm. But it was also designed right after George Floyd was killed. And um, I grew up in a family that were very involved in the civil rights in the Milwaukee area. My parents were extremely involved. And they worked with a gentleman, a priest from Milwaukee, that was responsible for the Fair Housing Act in the country. Mm. And so that's always been in the back of my mind, and I wanted to make a statement that everybody in our community needs to be feel welcome, and each and every one of us has a story, and every one of our stories is important, and all of our stories in so many different ways are intertwined, and we don't even realize it. Ay, that's beautiful. And um, and that's kind of where that story of the, the heart tree came from. And um, my goal is, and I'm trying to work on some different grants, I would like to bring more sculptures of spreading the love all over the country, as many cities as I can. And, um, and just to get that story out there, for us to open conversations with each other, get to know your neighbors, get to know the people on the street. They... People tell me stories, I'm just flabbergasted and amazed, and it just makes my life more enriched because of their stories. Yeah, and, and I think that's what it's about. It's about loving one another. Yeah, that is, and we should describe what the sculpture looks like. And there are pictures out there if f- folks want to um, look that up. Again, it's part of the Artists on Main Street, which was a part of the Northfield Downtown Development Corporation um, in partnership with the Arts and Cultural Commission to bring this project to Northfield. So there's a number of projects that were um, accepted into the the program. Yours was one of those. Um, Again, it's called Spreading the Love. Describe for um, how you made this happen and and, uh, how you um, Um, made made the tree and then then the hearts. Well, 
Dale had started, Dale has done a basic tree, but he always put cherries on his tree. Oh. <laughs> and, and I says, Dale, how can we change this? And I said, what started doing the multicolored hearts, just playing with my glass scraps, you know, here we were going into COVID and every single show I had was canceled last year. Oh, right. Yes, that affected artists. That affected, you know, and I was very fortunate. I did a commission piece for a friend, which helped. And then I started playing with the glass, and I just, the hearts just kept ringing diligently in my heart. So I started playing with hearts and multicolored, and every, even though the they're all hearts are all the same, every heart on that tree is different. And... Um, I just started playing with it, and then when I did the tree, I had to buy lots of glass to make all those hearts. <laughs> I think I heard you, you did an interview earlier with Jeff Johnson of KYMN, and you t- I think it was 500 pounds um, of glass to make the 48 fused. Maybe not that much. Not but that much? Quite a bit. Okay. Probably about 200 pounds of glass. Yeah. That's a lot of glass and a lot of cutting, and I don't. I for those pieces I use a nippers like when you do mosaics. Oh sure. Those pieces were all nipped and all different shapes and making each heart was like a giant puzzle. Ah, cuz does it start with It starts off with a clear heart on the bottom. Mhm. And then I just keep adding the pieces all the way around the edge and then filling in and layering and just happens and um and then those hearts get then attached to these branches branches. of the tree and it's it's pretty tall it's seven feet tall yeah i mean it's a a large piece that um you know you can definitely uh, feel the um you know uh, the weight of them and the the Mm -hmm. variety of them um and tell me more about uh, installing it and uh, what kind of reaction did you get from people um i'm well i'm so thankful that armory square allowed us to to install the piece there mm-hmm. they were wonderful to work with and um i I still am getting letters from people. I had a letter from a lady in Dallas that was here. Oh, wow. She was graduated from here and moved to Dallas, and she saw the tree and thanked me for the message, how important it was. And then I've done some work with her, with her her foundation in Dallas because of the hearts. That's a beautiful piece. Wow, you do, you're spreading the love just like it says. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've made ornaments that people can purchase and matching the sculptor the the actual size or christmas ornaments oh fun and those are available at the art skill paper pataloom and paisley gardens and um fine fiddle still have hearts and they are they are still selling i have a card that goes with them Mm. and tells a story about you know how the heart pieces are all parts of our lives and how we intertwine mm-hmm. so um but yeah so it's it's been what what you intended right that there was this idea that people needed to recognize the tree stood for community 
the heart stood for the love of community. And then the multicolored heart is, is a way of saying you, everyone, no matter your story, no matter who you are, what you look like, where you're from, you're all welcome. Exactly. And I think that's um, a really beautiful piece. You also got the businesses involved and did a kind of a heart scavenger hunt, I guess. You I would? did. Um, I wanted to tie in the downtown community because I knew they were all struggling like I was. Mm. And so I made hearts for as many businesses that, that wanted them. And then we had a scavenger list at the... Um, uh, Chamber of Commerce, and you, people could check off and f- see how many hearts they could find. I see there's one still, in, and all the businesses have left them in their windows. Oh, and that's, yeah, because there's one right here on, on the ledge. Ledge, in front of- and it was just to get people, my goal was to get people to go into those stores mm-hmm. to see what they had, and maybe it might not have been a store they usually shopped in, but they may have found something they really wanted. Mm-hmm. So my goal was also to help the downtown community. And it did. I think it made a big difference. It was a piece of art that for the right time um, really just helped us to remember what this moment, whatever we were going through, we were probably not alone, right? Exactly. (laughs) And it was something that um, each of us um, needed to remember to feel and to to share that Mm -hmm. that love that, that we uh, want our community to feel like exactly, and so it's, it was a really successful piece, and it's um, really, uh, I think people will remember for a long time the spreading the love project. Yes, well, I have donated the sculpture to the city. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Geraldine, that's beautiful. I feel the message is so strong that that story needs to continue. Wow. So there might be some uh, more uh, coming out about, is it going to stay at? You know, we haven't talked about it yet. Okay. So. And, um, but I, I just feel the message is so strong. Our country has become somewhat divided these past few years. And I think we, we need to learn ways to get along and embrace each other. Mm-hmm. And if that, if that's, if my sculpture is in an opening of a conversation to start that, then I've done my job. Wow, that is a very generous act and a very beautiful story and uh, something that, um, you know, if people haven't seen it, then they can go and still take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, where the cross streets there. Sixth and Division. There you go. Thank you. Um, so folks can still... Take a look, spend a minute, take a picture with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it I think they've seen some of those on, online. <laughs> yeah, I, one day I was driving by and I was stopping at the stop sign there and there was a mom with a little kid and she had the little child holding the sign, tree equals community, and she took a picture of it with him. <laughs> and that really touched my heart because, you know, she's teaching him what's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that art can do that. Art can make that difference in the world. It can start that conversation. It can be the point, the safe space, right? To it is the safe space, but yet it's. I think art can be incredibly um, important. It can change viewpoints. That's like when Hitler was there. He destroyed so much art because the powerful messages in art. Mm. And it scares dictators because the messages can come out. 
in subtle ways that they don't always realize. Yeah, our art is powerful, and um, I, I just I, I'm so glad that you were here in this community and in this space and this time to be able to share that. And you mentioned one thing I wanted to visit with you about was during your conversation with Jeff last year. Um, you talked about how that project really helped you to find your voice as an artist. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about just that that one project feels like a culmination of things, but also a beginning of things. How has that been for you? Um, it really has. It has been a stepping stone. Um, I think it's my first piece that really tells a story. Mm. My story. And um, and I want to continue to do those stories. And I've been researching other cities that I really feel it's important to bring my sculpture to. Mm-hmm. And by re- doing more research, I've learned so much about our history that's never been written. Um, I grew up in the Milwaukee area, and Milwaukee to this day is the most segregated city in the country. Hmm. And it's really, really sad. And um, so that's one of the cities I'd like to bring a sculpture to. I'd like to bring one to Raleigh. My brother lives in Raleigh, and when I go to, when I travel, I take public transportation everywhere. And I was at the bus station waiting to catch a bus, and unfortunately, when I ride the bus in Raleigh, I'm usually the only white person on the bus. Mm. And sometimes I get told, told wrong directions. And so, but I had to be somewhere, and so I was talking to this gentleman. He was about 50 years old. And I says, can you make sure I get on the right bus? And we developed a small, a nice conversation for 30 minutes while we were waiting for our prospective buses. And as I was getting on the bus, he walked me over to the bus and talked to the driver and made sure I was on the right bus, which was extremely kind of him. And he looked at me and he said, he says, can I give you a hug? I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he said, I just want to thank you for being the first white person that has ever been kind to me. Oh, my gosh. And I got on the bus, and I cried. My heart just stopped. What? Yeah. And um, it just broke my heart to feel that people in this day and age in our country are still feeling that way. And so that's another reason why I want to bring this sculpture to Raleigh. And the stories just keep continuing, the cities that I have selected. And it's just a matter of writing writing them down and looking for the right grant to be able to do that. Well, so, I, I want to encourage you on that journey and um, hope that you can make that happen because if if um, that can be the beginning of some conversations and a way to, you know, do some mending, um, some healing, and give some hope and some share that love. Exactly. Then that's a project we can all get behind. Yep. So uh, we're we're working on that. We're trying to f- see if we... I have one possible person that may be interested in funding a large part of it. But, you know, it's just making those con- the right connections. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you were here to share with us and our listeners the the story of your fused glass artwork. It is 
absolutely glorious. We want to make sure that people um, can see your work. You uh, want to mention the two loca- two events that you're having on November 19th and 20th, so that's next weekend. The Olive Grove Olive Oil in Mendota Heights will host you for a trunk show, but then you'll have a studio open house on December 3rd through 5th. Yep. And folks can uh, get information again on the Facebook page about that. Yes, there'll be information on that. And they'll, they, they'll know they're at the right house. Um, I have a 12-foot sculpture in my front yard called Lighting the Way. Oh, <laughs> and and tell, is, what, tell us about the glass work on it. Um, I did the torch, and it's solar-powered, so it lights up at night. It's a woman carrying a torch. Aha, that's a really good indicator that you're at the right place. Uh-huh. I like that, that imagery of, of you. And um, your story. And Thank you. It's it's really been a pleasure. I'm so glad that I got to know a little more about how things happen, and maybe where the direction you're heading, and yeah. how this passion of yours has um, become your life's work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just you know feel we need to change our world. We we're all called to do it in some way, and this is this is my calling. And I challenge people to each find their own calling to you know to make a difference. And we can. That's the thing we need to believe is That's that right. whatever little piece we do does uh, add to the world in a, in a, a positive way. If we when I d- built that sculpture, I never dreamt what possibilities and doors it opened for communication for people. Mm-hmm. I still People still stop me and thank me. So it's opened many good conversations. Spreading the love. which is a lot of what we need more of. So thank you so much for being a part of Art Zany today. I I really do. That was a a really beautiful story, and I'm so glad that we could could be together. Folks, this is Art Zany Radio for the Imagination, and this is Paula Granquist. I want to thank Geraldine Thielen for being here. Uh, Just uh, me, just, oh, I've got to get the name right. Um, Just Geraldine. Just me. Gerilyn and Glass. I knew it. Okay, there were, that's the part I was looking for. Um, thanks for sharing your story today. And folks, all of you can add some art zany to your life. You just have to take that first step and uh, begin the journey. So I hope that you do that. I really appreciate that you listen. And of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop, and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-334-7372. Hi, I'm Terry Knight. Join me weekdays.